This is Shaka Ward Speak. Hey, welcome to Shaka Ward Speak. Uh, I'm back as always with my co-host Brian Latirio, and we are here this week, kind of kicking off uh, a series that um, may come as no surprise to some of you that have been listening for a while. Uh, we're not totally sure how long it'll go. Um, but we know that we have uh, some some things that we've been in conversation about. We've been with folks who have been in conversation about this as well. And at the beginning of any new year, it just feels like a really good time to kind of sit back, uh, kind of take account or inventory for how things are and, and, and see how you want to move forward, how things might change, how uh, you might want to re-envision or, as we're titling this series, rethink uh, some of the things that you may have held uh, either super close or you just kind of nonchalantly just assumptively moved forward with. Um, so that's what this series is going to be about. It's going to be about uh, really starting to uh, unpack some ideas in ways that help us uh, rethink in an active way, not in a we've already figured this out, so we're going to track you through uh, what we know, but in a way where we're sitting down and we're actually having these conversations as an active rethinking of some of the stuff that is going to seem very, very familiar to many of y'all out there. Yeah, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a rethink on the, the the stuff you. It's like a spring cleaning. Yeah, and yeah. They start moving couches around, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, there's a better configuration," but mm-hmm. I really didn't believe that there was. Oh and, yeah, dude, but there's totally. also some dust behind the couch, and uh, and so now we're rethinking the space. And I literally lived through this because we changed our decor in our house. We moved a chair around. Uh, um, my wife, Laura, uh, is, a, is a visionary when it comes to moving stuff around. And so she um, moved a couch to make place for our, our five-foot Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And then for the first time in the 20 you know years we've been together and you know, I don't know how many years uh, of using this tree, it just didn't seem substantial enough. Mm-hmm. And we both had the intuitive, like, we're going to have to get a bigger fake Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, And uh, so we did, which we've never done. And it was an impulse buy, and uh, that day, which is hilarious. And uh, so I said, "Hey, I'm down with us moving some chairs around, provided it all goes back to the way it was, because I love the way our room is." Mm-hmm. Well, and Laura said, "It's fine. It's just for a month." <laughs> well, now everything has stayed the way it was. Now there's an additional chair, which chain reactioned into a lamp, and and the placing of like a a book stand in a spot that I never would have envisioned in my life. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm like, Oh, like nothing was lost. That wasn't gained to a fuller extent. Yeah. But I could not see what we have now in the moment of you're moving this around. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. And she didn't even know what the change, like she, all she was doing was moving on first instinct to say, let's put the tree here. But the point is um, now we're in a whole different state of affairs. And I'm kind of like, getting used to it and mm-hmm. recognizing that it, it's, it's good and it works and it's interesting. And, um, it kind of like validates that initial instinct. And the crazy thing is it, it just may never would have happened. There's no reason that it had to happen. And we could have just continued with uh, business as usual. Yeah. Yeah. So all to say, in some ways I feel like that's an anecdotal picture of like, you know, I think we're at a precipice of change. It's in the, it's been in the air in, in academia and um, you're seeing it expedited through COVID. So we've talked about that. And um, I think there's some strong tropes that have to sort of be poked at, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think um, whether it's a, you know, one or two parter or a three parter, 
um, I think a, a, a rethink on some of these is going to be important. So one of the things I'm hoping folks do is if you have some things that you want to uh, hear us talk about in this context or consider with you because you all are living experiences independent from our own, uh, email us at info mm-hmm. at info at shaco artspace.com. Um, email us because, um, uh, we're ideas are generated when we're working together mm-hmm. and I love to hear and Gareth would love to hear your thoughts on this. Definitely. So a couple that come to my mind are, um, you know, I'm older. And so there was a time when Prince, uh, was trying to get out from under his record contract with Sony. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote slave on his face and called himself the artist formerly known as Prince. Yeah. And, uh, I once heard a comedian say something about becoming the artist formerly known as starving mm-hmm. and, I, and it just stuck. And I was like, that's me. I want to be the artist formerly known as starving. <laughs> the assumption being you have to become starving first to then become mm, yeah, uh, yeah. formally known as that it's a rite of passage. And it's like, I think there's a whole discussion on that. Mm-hmm. What, what, it lo- uh, why we suffer or why we are starving in order to validate art. I think there's a conversation there that um, I think, you know, we'll probably have, um, another one is suffering and mm-hmm. suffering artists. Where does that come from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's going to be a, something worth talking about. We can kind of kick that soccer ball around a little bit. Uh, another one is, um, uh, artists are temperamental and emotional. Mm, gosh. Yeah. How many times have I heard that? Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe they are, but is it because it's, a, is it, an, is it intrinsic to art? Is it the hallmark of a good artist? Um, where does that idea come from? Mm-hmm. Why why is that assumed so heavily? Yeah, and why is there an assumptive deficiency in there? Right, that, that emotion is the the deficiency. Yeah, what what actually is at play in that? Yeah, um, I don't know. You got any? I mean, I think there's a handful. I think there's a handful of of kind of like isms, and I'm not leveraging a critique on them necessarily, but I, I do think we should move them off their wall, check behind the couch, so to speak, see where the dust is, and uh, maybe the furniture has to get moved a little bit. Maybe this is a great time to re-examine some of these these deeply held assumptions mm-hmm. that, you know, teaching at academia, Gareth and I have some different experiences depending on our departments we teach in, but they corroborate something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I find students that walk through all of these uh, intersectional rites of passage um, without batting an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I'm not saying necessarily that's a problem, I, but I, I think there is a value in examining that. Yeah. You know, there's, um, you know, we've even heard this from people that we've interviewed on the podcast in the past, but there, there is this kind of baggage that is brought into art school. Mm -hmm. And, and that only comes from these kind of assumptive cultural categories that we're talking about. Yeah. Right. And so they, uh, they come in and, and there are students who, uh, I've had as a freshman who have come to me and they've said, Hey, I want to be an artist, but I I don't want to be broke. Mm -hmm. And, the question is not is not being posed or it's not emphatically being presented in a way that is saying, Hey, I just want to have a good job. It's 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 a negation of this thing that they brought in as mm-hmm. an identity. Yeah. Um you know, and it's it, it's this other the other categories as well, other things that we talk about. And it's always worth um any of those things that just kind of become uh second nature or mm-hmm. like a reflexive uh pattern in speech the things that we just say, but don't really think about, um, they can be really dangerous. Yeah. Um, they even can if you, be disruptive. Yeah. Even if you ways. don't, if you don't assume it, you're like, even if, so like you may be not appropriating this, but then, but assuming it enough that you're reacting against it. So then you're 
definition of your practice is is more of a reactionary against right which may mean that it's 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 not freed up enough like your steps are are maybe i think you know i've I've found this as part of the process for me is like there might be some good steps for me but but i'm also still beholden in a in a a reactionary way and and like i need to be you know freed up from that assumption altogether yeah and that's part of the benefit of the rethink It, it it may help you better envision the state of affairs you're in is not actually being that of suffering in the, in the sense of um, romanticizing it per se. You know, one of the, one of the, ex- the things that we talk about a lot at guest Gareth and like, even like, yeah, just in our most immediate context, but uh, you know, I, I, I have some distance now on being like an undergrad, but one of the things that I remember is I had my ideas about what an artist was, but then I kept being invited into this doesn't happen as much now, but I kept being invited into like the life of some of my professors that became my mentors. Yeah. And I remember like one of my, you know, I've talked about her in the past Linda day, like going to a couple art shows and meeting with some of my professors and like just seeing them stand around and like Linda kind of joking about her and like several other people all wearing kind of like all showing up wearing black mm-hmm. and which was really a contrast to what I think I thought artists were like, the artists there were so non attention drawing that they were almost hiding. Mm. And, and the more I entered into their lives, the more I found like really rigorous, disciplined people. They're super disciplined and super not attention seeking. And, and I remember just being like completely um, compelled and conflicted with what I thought, you know, what I had been sort of uh, indoctrinated into as far as like what an artist is, the eccentric, the, uh, and I'm not saying they weren't eccentric, but I had cartoon level understandings of, mm. of um, characterizations of, of artists. So, you know, um, now I'm being conflicted with embodied expressions that are real people that are actually doing the work and being an artist. And uh, it doesn't necessarily square with uh, what I think an artist is, but also what the general culture reinforces as an artist. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now, you know, so many years later, we're both in that position and we know to full measures like the contrast and value of, of seeing real people doing real things. Um, and, uh, but not to the point that we still don't have these weird tropes that just hang on and influence people. Oh yeah, definitely. Know? Yeah. The, uh, the, 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 what you were saying made me think of, um, kind of getting into grad school and that's when you kind of had access to like be at the table with the faculty, right. Mm-hmm. In a different level. So like, uh, a departmental like dinner party, yeah, be invited to, and and so sitting here around this table with folks who are writers, designers, photographers, um, and hearing them tell these stories that didn't seem to line up, mm-hmm. like just like you're saying, it didn't line up the same way, um, and not because all of the stories were uh, counterpoint mm-hmm. to the trope, but because the stories were so wide and varied mm-hmm. that my sliver of some sort of, I guess you would call it understanding of what the field was, was so deficient. Yeah. Like it, it just did not account because if, if around that table, if, if my definition of what they should be as professionals was only contingent upon that small trope, then I would have eviscerated a dozen careers. And I think that that's a, that's a wonderful kind of picture of how we should look at and understand this kind of rethinking thought is that it's not to change the parameters and shrink the table 
And it's actually to look at it and say, have we been by these assumptive kind of tropes and conversations, have we shrunk the table in a detrimental way? Yeah. I think for me, that's the thing that excites me the most about this series and what we're going to talk about because, um, I mean, I'm of the mindset that when it comes to art and design, like, let's keep putting leaves in that table, yeah. make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, because I just, I feel the need for more of it in my life personally mm-hmm. in all avenues. Yeah. So something well, as dumb as like recently we just got some new dishes and it was difficult to find them because we understood that these were designed pieces that had an impact visually in mm-hmm. a space. Um, and it's not a small thing to undertake because they do something. Yeah, they have. They're not. They neutral. have a purpose. They're not neutral. Um, and so I can't just discount the person who makes the dishes mm-hmm. and say, "Well, they're not. They're not in this space, or they're not this thing." Like the table's bigger, and I want it mm-hmm. to be bigger. I want those people to all be there because I care about those things. Sure. And I'm not alone in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, the uh, the kind of like the scaling of the effect of a thing. It's always that that thing worth, uh, you know, thinking about. And there's a effects can displace in in a kind of like a greater lesser way. Not to kind of put it into like a hegemony or whatever. Like, but that but but you can't deny that you know. So like you know, you put a clump of clay inside a glass full of water, and the water will be displaced. Uh-huh. you know, so there's effects that happen that are unavoidable based on the way the world works. And, you know, you, you can, um, one of the, I think one of the rethink questions is, um, always worth having, uh, because this is a thing is what do you do when what you do and who you are is not primary to what people want to know, hear and talk about. So what do you do when you're out of Vogue? Uh-huh. What if, you know, and, and I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people out of Vogue right now. Uh, without getting too deep into it right now. But so what do you do when your work is not um, quote unquote relevant? The question of relevance to whom? I think, I think there's a discussion there that I think we have to really think about because if you're, if you're striving after relevance, you may miss um, your opportunity to be, be, to be relevant, which sounds backwards. But so what do you, what do you, what's your mental space like when you are not uh, being exhibited? when no one cares and um, uh, what's the value of your work? Should we rethink the way we assign value? Should we rethink um, the way we pursue excellence or uh, um, our CVs or our collectorships or um, is there a discussion there? Because if you are being displaced by something else, um, how do you respond to that? I'm not saying I'm going to get into it today, but I think that's one of those questions that I think should be it need like that's a that's a worthy topic in this this conversation, and I see it. I see people that are like, "Oh, I'm not going to be getting shows for a while," and uh, that's always happened. You right. know, yeah. it's like when when you were making figurative work, and all of a sudden abstract expressionism is is taking full hold. It's like mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to be getting any shows for a while. Yeah. Well. Maybe there needs to be more leaves out of the table to where it's not an either or dilemma. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, to your it's, point. it's um, because it is a nature, right? We it, it, as as time has gone on, 
it has become more and more understood by me that what we do as artists and designers is to be constantly rethinking or pivoting or whatever you want to call it because uh, the context in which we create changes, even if uh, the work or the core of what we do doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, know, for me, I started out early in my career, all, I would say 90% of my income was coming from designing magazines. Mm -hmm. It's not happening anymore. Yeah. So the question is, how then shall I do other things? Mm -hmm. How then shall I proceed? How then shall I pivot? (laughs) Right. So it's a, it's a recognition of the, of the space we're in. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a a question that is begged of what's that mean for me? Mm -hmm. And how does that, how, how does that create impact in my life Mm -hmm. so that I can continue doing what I'm doing? Because if I had come out of school and just said, Oh, all I ever want to do is just design magazines. My, my career's over. I'm done. But that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be a designer. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make stuff. So um, rethinking, I think, you know, on, on one level, it's kind of core to mm-hmm. what we do uh, in the spaces where we create and make. Um, so, you know, and, and I'm just thinking, there may be some folks out there uh, listening. You might be thinking, um, oh, well, I, I don't really love the idea of change. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with like rethinking. It's never like a space. I'm just kind of happy to be status quo, just kind of keep mm-hmm. on keeping on. But I would say that this is probably a more normalized thing uh, to rethink than you, you give yourself credit for. Um, but it's also extremely healthy. It's how, we, it's how we grow. It's how we progress. It's how we move yeah. on. And it also, because most, most things aren't static. So like it may mean not so much a change, but a, com- a coming to better terms with where you're at and what you're really doing and, and how to feel better about it. Actually how yeah. to feel good about it. So yeah. like, I think if I had one goal in this, it's, it's, it, it, I think the goal would be to be, um, to provoke a freedom of conscience to embrace where you're at or have clear license to, to make some shifts or some changes by eliminating some of the, um, kind of idea constructs that are assumed as a given that, that aren't a given, but may, may be a reality. So in other words, if I said to you, uh, you know, if I prescribe that artists are, are, you know, um, always starving. Well, if I make that a prescription, then you're going to feel bad if you're not, you're going to feel like a fraud. But if I say that because the culture oftentimes doesn't support creativity, uh, when it's, you know, most directly at this core of, you know, doing it without a clear application. Therefore, oftentimes artists tend to starve because they make these sacrificial choices. That That's an indicative of a, a larger state of affairs, um, which means there is a, an, a problem opportunity there to solve for that, to, to look for a better way. So you're not just carrying it forward as a, this is always the case. Uh-huh. And yeah. in fact, because it defaults to then a hallmark for someone and you start to get people that actually um, build their identity on crafting an image of starving, uh, yeah. Instead of actually feeling um, freedom and gratitude for the fact that they're not, yeah. So, um, you know, it's like it's like saying, well, since people that live in this this fake part of the world always land in ditches, I'm going to go and fill ditches so they don't land in them. Instead, you go. 
I'm going to go dig my ditch so I can make sure I look the same way and, you know, not feel guilty for not landing in ditches. Um, that's, that's too kind of cartoony, I guess, to say that that way. But it's just to say that you, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. We don't, you know, when it's that obvious, we don't do that. We, we go, oh, gosh, let's help. Let's help each other not have potholes or sinkholes. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining. I just saw a sinkhole recently for a um, a giant sinkhole next to like this restaurant, and the restaurant remained open, mm-hmm. and the sinkhole they filled it and it got bigger. <laughs> and so it's just in my head. And I'm like, holy smokes! I think it was in Atlanta. I don't know, or uh, North Carolina. I can't remember, but it's somewhere out our way. But uh, it was terrifying because they filled it, and then it showed the company like the picture on the news was like the company scratching their head because they're like. <laughs> Whatever they filled it with didn't work because the hole opened back up bigger. And like, that's so scary, man. Yeah. Tangentially, sinkholes are scary. And then the restaurant is like a foot away from the sinkhole, literally, with a fence around it. And I'm like, I mean, I guess you make that choice. Like, we'll stay open and keep eating barbecue. <laughs> you know, like, you may go into the sinkhole, <laughs> but our barbecue is good. Yeah. What's, what's it worth to you? <laughs> yeah. What's it worth to you? Uh, yeah. I don't even know what that was about, but I guess that picture was in my head is yeah, why yeah. it was where the sinkhole analogy came from. But, um, and so I, I think, uh, I think these are, um, I think a lot of these, there's these tropes and I think we'll have more and I'd love to hear, like, we really would love to hear from other people's insights because our, you know, you listen to our episodes, you know, that when guests come on, uh, they bring exponential experience that multiplies our understanding. And we're, we learn things constantly from, from others and we're all just limited by ourselves. You know, we're, we're at some point you're limited to the scope of your experience and we can't actually empathize with every experience, but we certainly can learn from them. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And so we, we, we need to hear from other voices, uh, if, if that's a way of saying it, but so I'm hopeful that, um, you know, we can get some impact uh, and some benefit out of this because culturally right now we're, we're in a kind of a, uh, an opportunity zone of either, you know, becoming a doomer, which I have some doomer potential. Ian Hess calls me a doomer all the time in text message. Um, I call him a prepper, uh, <laughs> Dr. Prepper, actually. Uh, <laughs> and then, I, and then I, I refer to myself as Dr. Doomer. But, um, but also in there, it's like I got to continue to uh, take hold of, of thoughts that are not naively optimistic, but are actually rubber meets the road, put my money where, I, where my mouth is, you know, problem opportunity. Is there a way to solve this? So, you know, we're looking at that. Like I said in a critique yesterday, uh, critique seminar, and kind of like uh, there was a little bit of a, a, an, an inability for the group of academics to speak on the nature of the problems that are wrought within universities when it comes to critiques, institutional critiques. And you could see the confrontation between the problems set before us and people's deeply held assumptions that are given. So they're not even aware of their assumptions being a given because that's how, that's how assumed they are. And so it was stalemating the conversations in many ways. Yeah. And uh, I was grieved by that. You know, it's like there, there is a conversation and there are things that have yet to be done that can be done and tested, but we got to admit to some things or we got to become aware of them first and foremost. Like you can't want to cure to a disease you don't know you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or yeah. So, so this is needed because I, what I see in the institution uh, institutionally is then carried out into 
the institutions of the galleries into uh, commerce, into, um, you know, uh, collecting and buying art. Um, um, the action reaction dynamic of that is staying the course while trying to solve a problem they're not stating. Right. Yeah. That will not work. Yeah. Because what we can run into, um, if, if we fail to be a part of conversations, um, like this, or if we don't feel comfortable and we don't push into them. Um, or on the other side of that, if we don't enter those conversations with some sense of humility mm-hmm. that we don't have all the answers and yeah. we're, we're, we're instead searching, we're you yeah, know, like, uh, I think one of our, probably our best case scenario, if we do those things, um, is a cultural or social holding pattern Yeah, where we're just kind of saying like, yeah, we, we see stuff's messed up. We see this doesn't work. We see this isn't right, but we got no path forward. Nope. Like we're just going to keep circling the airport till the gas runs out. Yeah. It's kind of like polishing. It, it's, it's like polishing a problem by, by fetishizing the problem. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. so you, all you're doing is making it more pronounced, but there's no, there is no way forward. And so it's, it, you're, you're being, you, you know, we will buckle under the weight of the polishing finish of this uh, ambiguous problem that we're actually not really able to admit to. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I know we're being uh, kind of esoteric and cryptic here a little bit, but it's, it's because we'll have to try to unpack it a little more in, through uh, the, the we think rethink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it makes me think of when I was a kid, um, you know, we were super broke, didn't have a lot of money. Um, so like I wasn't the kid with the, with the name brand shoes. Right. Um, and so, like, uh, one time I was able to get these these sweet Nikes, and I wore them, and I used that as a negation of everything else that was true. I just had it, or I'd be like, hey, look at the shoes. Everything's good. And it's like, no. Like, the problem is still there. Like, I was still a broke kid with no money. Um, but I wasn't doing anything in a positive sense in that way. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of pointing to this other thing. Like, you're saying, kind of fetishizing these shoes and be like, no, this, this proves otherwise. Right. Yeah. Cause I can yeah, dig yeah. into this. Sacrifice. I can double down on this. Yeah. Um, and we, we've said it before, but we are in a hyper paced society mm-hmm. with, um, a myriad way, myriad ways of, of actually, uh, interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. But we probably are the least conversational. Yeah, we're good with telling. Yeah, we're good with telling each other what to do, and and there is a besetting "tell me what to do" reality that will perpetuate dissatisfaction mm-hmm. and lead us looking for. I mean, I think you know, I, I put my cards on the table is our uh, move towards a kind of more transhumanist uh, way. This idea that this hunger for uh, virtual reality and. Uh, um, artificial intelligence and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the, the guy. I don't think it's cause I'm older. Um, but I think that when I look at what hasn't been uncovered or disclosed about the state of human affairs and the uh, desire to vacate human affairs into an augmented world, into a uh, robotic world or com- digitized computer virtual world that that is a hastening step has dire consequences if we don't reckon and account for what we are and who we are and, and um, what we have missed because we have 
unchecked assumptions. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there comes a time where you, you kind of, and I guess maybe that's where, you know, I'm at or we're at, or we, you know, where, where you make choices, like I'm going to, I'm going to, you can't, like I always say, you can't choose what you haven't seen. Yeah. And yeah. there's things you haven't seen that I haven't seen. There's things I have seen and I recognize some people haven't seen it and vice versa. And we get that, but I don't, I don't know that we're tough enough to walk it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, culturally really quick to, to be told what to do. And then, uh, I gotta, I gotta, but, and then to meme about it. Yeah. So one day we're in an uproar. The next day we're celebrating the next day after that, we're back to making jokes at a level that we weren't making the day before. Mm-hmm. And, and it's deeply disturbing. There's, there's a lack of, um, perseverance in, in, in humans right now that, that, um, is a concession to a frailty and an ease towards something else to tell us what to do. Yeah. And perhaps it's so I, I think there is something at stake in a conversation like rethinking not to, yeah. not to dramatize it, but I really, I really uh, believe that. And um, I think we got to, I, th- I would rather err on the side of being a voice that says, Hey, as you move in direction X, consider, these things that are in direction Y let these be pebbles in your shoe uh-huh. because you know, you may have to deal with them and it may mean that you don't jump ship as quickly. Right. And it's not a prioritization of direction X because mm-hmm. the like uh, the, like you said, the vice versa would be said uh, as you move in direction Y consider exactly. these things from direction 100%. X. Um, yeah. Cause it is like, there's, there's so much more nuance. There's so much more conversation. There's so much more relationship. Um, in the things that we do, the things that we involve ourselves with in, mm-hmm. the identities that we willingly or apathetically take on, mm-hmm. there is so much more of it. The, 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 the space in between the polar fields mm-hmm. is, is rife with so much more potential for discussion. Yeah. Yet we do it <laughs> decreasingly. Yep. So I, it's one of the hopes I have for this conversation uh, over this series is that uh, it just it gives us a space to kind of pause, mm-hmm. to kind of uh, reflect and think, um, to not hastily move forward with such speed that we do the cliche of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, mm-hmm. but that we see all things and say some things need to be definitely thrown away with much haste. Yeah, and some things uh, need to be talked about. Yeah, and some things might actually just need to be salvaged. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a good, there's a good reason to recycle some things mm-hmm. because with recycling, I don't just take that busted can and just stick something else back in it. Like I usually will change its form and make it yeah. into something else. And I have a new product that comes out of what it was in the past. Right. So, um, you know, rethinking, like it, I'm excited about it Yeah. because there is a lot of stuff that, um, we want to dis- dispel, um, as humans, right? There are things that we don't want to see anymore. There's sure. stuff that we want to see go away. But at the same time, we can't just be uh, negative critiquers. Mm-hmm. We also have to be uh, positive alternative makers. Yeah, you have to offer a. Uh, some some of us have got to become salient, um, sacrificial offerers. In other words, we sacrifice a bit of our own immediate success to offer something that um, is going to take time to digest and mm-hmm. consider. And, um, you have to, you have to, we need to continue to strive to build 
um, counterpoints or counter offerings um, that are dialogical partners at, at a minimum uh, um, instead of just assuming a runaway direction. Yeah. Things. It's like, it's like the know. psychology of why diets don't tend to work, right? Mm-hmm. Because diets say, don't eat that, don't eat that, don't eat that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, productive, uh, you know, health uh, plans mm-hmm. deal with like replacing yeah, or, you know, uh, having a better alternative. Yeah. And, it, and somewhere in the middle there, I'm just thinking out loud is like, and it's why like a lot of uh, dilemmas are what they are is because you have competing do eat this. So it's like every time, you know, you yeah. got, I got, you know, I don't know. What is it? 40 years of McDonald's telling me to eat McDonald's. Oh yeah. Just do it mm-hmm. and do the do Mountain Dew. Like whatever it is, like you got a lot of positive, uh, competing offers for, uh, utopia through, you know, expressions of food and clothing, whatever is. And so then when you, when we get into the, the issue of negation, you're like, Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And so it's one thing to recognize it is it's darn hard to replace. And oftentimes replacing is like vitamins. You're like, this don't taste very good. It ain't well, satisfying. And it, and it's it tends hard. to be a, it, it tends to be double the work, right? It. Because yes. you're being told don't do this, you're but if you're not something. giving an alternative, then it's like, don't do this. Also look for something else. Yeah. Um, and just to be honest, I mean, most of us don't have that time in our lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, if somebody were to tell me, Hey, if, if, if I could go back in time, catch myself at 19 and be like, Hey, don't, uh, don't buy so wholeheartedly into the starving artist thing. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have listened. I wouldn't have listened because, uh, I'd be like, well, what am I going to do then? Yeah. Then what? Cause that would have put a demand on me. I wasn't able to handle, mm-hmm. but I was hasty and wanting, uh, think about something that Abby said about how just that talk about, I wish the success I was having came yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very much that it's like the, the, the sense that, the givens are runaway. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get on, you miss it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's been sticking to, you know, that was a great talk and mm-hmm. you know, Abby's so fantastic. I really appreciated the honesty. So helpful to hear, you know, uh, get a snapshot of someone in the, the thick of their moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like that really, even sometimes when I've been told things, from somebody more experienced and I knew it to be true. I was so on the train that I couldn't stop the train in my mind at least. And, uh, you know, I, (laughs) I think that that's what's happening. I mean, I think that's what COVID, you know, we talk about COVID slowing us down, but Oh, we're ramping back up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're ramping into something that is a furtherance Mm -hmm. of where we were prior to COVID and you're seeing a more stark picture of it. And, uh, I, I just think the slowdown needs to continue, not the speed up. Mm-hmm. And I fear that we're, we're speeding up. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're in production mode mm-hmm. in many ways. We're producing a image of humanity. Um, and it's n- the normalization. It's the passive normalization of things is, is startling. It's, it, you know, I guess in some ways what I'm saying is watch Wally. Wally really is a good example of, of where we're at and where we're headed. Yeah. As far as, um, the passive recipient of change, and someone else saying, and uh, my fear is that that um, that that is my concern is that that is ramping up, mm-hmm. and the unintended con- the classic unintended consequences of that are not being seen by people. There's no anticipation, mm-hmm. and then there's no offering of an alternative. So we're like, well, let's just drive this through, and uh, I think the ramifications are not yet clear 
uh, to many. Yeah. And I think with that, like the, just to negate anybody that might hear what you just said as an opposition to change or, you know, a, a, a call for something else. Change is utterly important. And if it is as important as we believe as a culture, it is. If progress is as important as we believe as a culture, it is. Then it should be important enough for us to slow down and carefully consider how that change and progress proceeds. Mm-hmm. Not that it just happens so that we can say it happens, mm-hmm. right? But that it, it has a quality, not merely a quantity, that it can have both, that we can experience great change and progress. And we can do it in such a way that its quality multiplies or makes that change exponential mm-hmm. instead of just marginal. A lot of times uh, I feel unconsidered change and unconsidered uh, progress is just marginal change. It's, it's, yeah. it's, slow. it's kind of like well, repainting like, the broken car. Yeah, it's like locomotion. Yeah. It's just it's perpetual motion in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And so it, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it's like it, it lacks a kind of breaking into substance. It's like a runaway train effect. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's just speed accelerant, but it's not changing the direction of where we're headed. Yeah. And I think a lot of it's like pigs uh, getting more food as they're headed to slaughter. So they're they're like excited because, you know, in the in the slop of pigs, there's some pigs that are getting fed more and there's some that are getting fed less. But no one's stopping to say, where are we headed? Mm. So then they're all still there's all still headed to slaughter. There's just some are getting fed more than others. And that becomes arbitrary to the destination. And that's the, that's the rub is yeah. uh, destination destinations, um, convergences, you know, um, if you, the, the horror of, of, of picking your head up and realizing you're being slaughtered, but <laughs> you can't do anything because you're, you're couched in between other, other pigs or whatever, like in that whole pig pen analogy yeah. is, uh, the scary part. And so, I mean, I think, um, one of the things I'd love to talk about in the context of these is fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's ever been a greater time to discuss the nature of fear, which is buck big, <laughs> yeah. really big, yeah, yeah. really pervasive, really, really inconsistent. And uh, fear has driven existential crisis and fear has produced um, an avoidant culture. Mm-hmm. And fear is breaking in at, at personal levels that now are in our pockets, like in our, we're anxious because fear has broken in to such an extent that we're beginning to live out the full in, implications of existentialism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so that we're in a perpetual state of anxiety because we're in a perpetual state of fear because we fully, we fully drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, this is so not, Here's what I don't want people to do. I don't want them to be bummed out and then not listen to well, this I think, series. You know, but, but with this, like, everything that's being said is that like the whole point of a series like Rethink is to say, hey, we should take the time to stop. Let's do it. And think. Yep. And, and when we do that, what it does is we don't waste that time. Mm-hmm. And we don't wallow in self-pity and negativity necessarily. Mm-hmm. But we look at it, we take an honest inventory of some things, and we say, how then can we create greater trajectory forward? Mm-hmm. So it's not a let's fix the car while we're driving it. It's mm-hmm. let's pull to the side, yeah. let's assess the situation. And when we do that, we can say, oh, it's this. 
And then yeah. when we start off, we're not limping down the road. Right. We're actually going full speed. We're doing what we need to do. Yeah. We can do it. And it, also, it you, may be like, you may be like, hey, hey, uh, pulled over the side of the road, realized I don't like cars. And I actually noticed this thing across the street. Yeah. And it's I, a beautiful day. I'm going yeah, for a walk. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to, um, I may, I may not be an artist in the way that um, the culture has suggested. Um, and I get to rethink what this means to me and how I do it. And, um, um, but also like, I mean, I think if, if you've been around our podcast for a while, the thing that is always circling is like, um, because I, to me, the arts are holistic and pervasive and, you know, we, we both agree with this and we talk about it a lot and, and, um, occupying that, living that space out to the best of my ability for, for a lot of years now. Um, it causes you to rethink what it means to be human and it, it, it causes you to alleviate, um, a certain amount of pressure uh-huh. by putting everything in on one thing and to the neglect of other things. And right. so, um, and, and that, that drives your fear up. I mean, I think when you talk about like, um, I need to diversify like my retirement, I guess. And I haven't done that. And Laura's always telling me like, we got to do that. So I got to do that. So this is accountability, Laura. I'm saying it on <laughs> a podcast episode if you hear this. Um, but I, it makes sense to diversify your portfolio that all your, your, eggs aren't in one basket. And, uh, and I can imagine if all your eggs are one basket, you start to get paranoid. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. a centralized, a target and, uh, and slightly obsessive probably. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, so uh, some of this is the implication is to, to kind of go back and really examine, um, what it means to be human. I think sometimes we're a rush in, in to defend our personal idea about ourself. Uh-huh because we're so afraid to be wrong about it and we're so convinced of our said rightness that we want to, we don't want to talk about it. And so then we make art that is avoidant and doesn't want to, doesn't want to talk about it. And it it starts to fracture relationships and um, you know, the world and American culture. I mean, we are, we are polarized, man. I mean, we are, we are deeply broken and people are angry and upset. And, uh, I am committed to trying, and I know that you are, I'd rather try to be a peace bringer and a reconciler and a problem solver. And sometimes, uh, the problems are solved by offering an alternative model. And I think, uh, you know, you gotta be willing to brave criticism to do, to do that. So we'll see what happens, but I think it'll be interesting. And I think it'll be worth, uh, everyone's time to kind of walk through these, you know, uh, with us, you know, every now and then when we have a guest on, we may, we may throw them a question uh-huh. to see how they think about it to hear, hear outside of us. So, you know, intermittently with, uh, our distinct episodes, you know, we might carry some of these same questions over and say, Hey, uh, we did this episode on this particular question. What's your, t- what's your take on it? And so we'll try to accumulate some, uh, data, some thoughts. And, uh, listen, if you want, we would love to give you a shout out. So when you bring your, your question to us, uh, let us know. And, and, you know, we'd love to say, Hey, you know, Susan sent this question in and Mm -hmm. is coming from this part of the world and, and, uh, is this kind of artist. And so let us know who you are and, and, and give us your question and let's, let's include it into the conversation along these rethink categories. Yeah, because in, in, in no way, shape, or form is what we're going to talk about going to be anything close to the totality of these subjects. Yeah, not exhaustive. Not, not even remotely close. Um, 
So we're just offering up a, a humble sliver of the conversation that we hope uh, is a larger conversation going on. Um, and if it's not, that would spur on the conversation and the thinking with you, uh, with your friends, uh, with your group of makers that you're a part of, uh, the communities of, of artists and designers that you live in. Because um, it's good to consider. It's good to rethink. And it's good to, to realize <laughs> at least a little bit every year that you probably don't have it all together. <laughs> you probably Yo. don't. I mean, it, it. I would like to say it only happens like once a year for me, but it's like, I don't know, five times an hour where I'm reminded that I don't have it all together and I don't have the answers. So um, I think this is a great time for that to happen. Um, so over the next uh, few weeks, months, we'll see how long this goes. Um, yep. We're going to be kind of unpacking some of these ideas. So again, if you have some ideas, shoot them out to us. Uh, hit us up at info at shockerwartspeak at shockerwartspace.com. Excuse me, info at shockerwartspace.com. Um, Check out our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, share, you know, on iTunes, all major platforms. Um, the dollar amount, we've got some people that are generous in giving us a dollar a month. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that in any kind of tongue or cheek way. I think people think that it's not enough to make a difference. So you say, why bother? And I'm telling you, thank you for all the people that have stepped in and are uh, starting to support us. Um, we will be recording our next episode possibly from mm-hmm. a new space. Yeah. So we will be stepping into um, a wonderful story of generosity that we'll, we'll share in the future with you uh, more about. I think it's worth talking about. It's a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of everything we've talked about. It's a fruit of our podcast. And so I think that's definitely a story that we will share with you. And so we will be uh, magically in a new space that is next door to mm-hmm. our main gallery. Um, and our current studio is up up in the air uh, um, based on the generosity of the, the people we rent it from uh, as well. So there may be a chance to still use this space for an intermittent amount of time. And you, so your support is literally providing an opportunity for us to not close. Yeah, um, definitely. And uh, even if it's another month open, but but also your your generosity is enabling us to step into this other studio space with any kind of reason reasonableness. And we need, we do need your support. It's, it's a, it's a, it's huge. And, um, some of you faithful listeners, please consider a dollar a month, $5 a, a month, uh, you know, 25, what, whatever you feel is reasonable. Um, and we're going to have some new offerings for you, some new tiers. So if you've looked in the past, but you haven't looked recently, um, you know, there's going to be some, some new outcomes some new, new things on the horizon. I think it's going to be very, uh, fun, enriching, exciting, and and good coming coming in this new year. Yeah, so. and it's exciting. I mean, this is the third year of the podcast we're stepping into. Yeah, year um, three. And Whoa. we are rolling up on uh, somewhere around the neighborhood of 150,000 downloads so yeah. far. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, pumped about that, really excited uh, about all uh, that the podcast has been over the last two years, and just eagerly looking forward to 2021 to see what it's going to bring. Yep. Um, so as always, like we like to say, you know, they're a fantastic audience. We love you so much and we're thankful for you and listening to us every week and bring us into your home, car, headphones, whatever it may be. And we will catch you next time. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.